You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Tuesday, the 9th of February for our 200th and 50th episode. Vince, congratulations, man. How did we do it? D- d- blind determination. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be the first one to say that we're done. He's going to be the one to quit. Yeah. <laughs> Stubbornness and not giving a rat's ass if anybody's actually listening. Oh. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. And we actually decided to have a little bit of fun tonight because we've been poking fun at somebody, our friends over at Comic Book, or the uh, All Comics Considered podcast. And so I thought it'd be fun to bring Marty on to the show just for our, again, it's a, it's a big episode for us and thought it'd be fun to have you on the show. So thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me and uh, for coining the term Marty it up and mean <laughs> it in a less than kind way. I we, appreciate that. We coined it, but it didn't originate from us. Let's be honest here. No, I've never heard that before. There's all sorts of other stuff I've heard. That's a new one. And I think it comes from a place that's not completely spiteful, so I can appreciate that. <laughs> you go with that. If, yeah. if it makes you feel better. You it have a stressful so job, so this makes you feel warm inside. I mean, they they mock because they love it. <laughs> We've all been there. It's just nice to have a shining example of, you know, the worst it could possibly be. <laughs> <laughs> that particular clip that... uh Raj played for everybody was probably the worst. Uh, I don't think we've gotten that bad sense. Maybe Hannah and Nick will say, oh, no, remember this time? Um, <laughs> but uh, that was pretty bad. But with the magic of editing, it sounded not like that because, uh, yeah, I'm not doing, I'm not going to make my, my put us out there like that. But Raj did, which I can safely say. Somebody had to. It was pretty funny. Um, I had to because you tried to make it sound like you knew what you were doing on that episode. I was like, no, 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 no. We cannot be having any of that. Hold on. What the number one lesson I have learned being an adult is fake it. Like just walk in. No, that's what you've learned from your wife, not from being an adult. (laughs) Oh, Wow, you went blue and have only been on the phone call for eight whole minutes. No, like folks, just- it's it's actually later than our normal recording time. We figured 250 episodes. We're gonna really relax, have a good old time. So yeah. each of us has been dipping in a drink for a little while now. So it's going to be. I don't even know if I'm gonna bother with duck quacks <laughs> because that's gonna be a lot of editing. Likely, <laughs> I might just leave it as is. Just don't let your kids listen to this episode. <laughs> I will cut down. As much as I can. <laughs> I'll pretend it's court and I'm in front of judges that I don't care for. Okay. Now, when I had you on the show, when you were something mm-hmm. for Vince, we just kind of rolled with it and we had a, a normal episode. And when I was on your yours, you actually took some time and actually asked me why I'd gone into podcasting. And it's something that I wanted to ask you if you ever came back on kind of thing. Because I'm curious, what prompted you above all else to actually want to go into comic podcasting? So did you guys ever listen to Jim Viscardi's Let's Talk Comics? I did not know. Okay. So Jim was a Marvel marketing guy. He had a slew of awesome guests. He had a really good show. It was too long. And I loved every minute of it. And I would walk away being like, oh, I'm going to go pick up this person's book now. So that's uh, basically how I got 
into the idea. Like I really want to do it because for as bad as sometimes our show sounds, Jim's got some really crappy sounding episodes, but he's got people like Kelly Sue DeConnick and Brian Michael Bendis and um, Rick Remender, which actually made me want to consider buying Rick Remender books, which is kudos to Jim for tricking me. Um, hey, 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 <laughs> Remender's good. Shut up. He's put okay. up some good stuff. You could, I will, his indie stuff, I have yet to pick up. Uh, his cap run, his, uh, some of his Mighty Avengers run are some of the worst books I have ever read. And uh, I don't want to <laughs> on your idea of what is a good writer or that type of thing. And that's the other place where we come from, because it seems like, you know, people, when they say something that they don't like something, it comes out and it's bad. Uh, and sometimes it's really, really bad, but they use a lot of shorthand. And listening to all comic, uh, excuse me, all songs considered, I'm more interested in like what we have in common, like a love of comics, than saying that my superhero is better than your superhero because I haven't played the my ex is better than your ex in, I don't know, since fifth grade and it kind of got old then and that was a long time ago. So long story short, I wanted a show that was as positive and as, you know, barrier lowering as all songs considered, but had the same tone as uh, let's talk comics. And then I talked to Nick, I talked to Hannah and there we went. Cool. Well, yeah. how long have you known them? You've known Nick a long time, but Hannah? I met Nick. I was a senior in college. It was in, so it's 98. And then I met Hannah in like 2003, 2000 and, yeah, 2002, 2003 is when I met Hannah. So we've been we've been friends and hanging out in nerd circles for, you know, with, well, Nick and I have been hanging out since 98. So it makes it a lot cool. easier because then you've got that rapport, which is one of the hardest thing to find when you are putting together a cast for a podcast is being with a crew that you know you can rely on for conversations. People don't realize just how difficult that is actually. Oh, wrangling a conversation, guiding the, the interview. <laughs> oh my God. Preaching you guys to the have choir. a really good one too. What was that? Did somebody get bitten by what, what happened? <laughs> no, you're talking about wrangling ferrets. And I was like, Jesus, I've been doing that for since like 2009, <laughs> so, oh, 2008, 2009. So trust me, I understand that. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of professionally do it, but replace a ferret with juvenile delinquent. Yeah. And so, you know, this is what, what, I, what I've done. But you guys have got a really good uh, bit of banter back and forth kind of thing that I do appreciate. Well, we've been doing it for years. 250 now, episodes. Well, and before that. Even longer than that, yeah. Before the lore. So, I mean, oh, we've yeah, been yeah. podcasting together for a bloody long time now. And it shows because it's just – it gets to the point where you kind of understand each other's patterns as well. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of know when to shut up, when to let them run with something, when to cut them off, when to make fun and, and things like that. It's not always perfect, obviously, but years builds that. And, and, it, and I like it when I come across a podcast that has not had that years of experience and yet still comes across with that feeling of familiarity that you actually like the people that you're listening to. And that's a big one. So again, it's, it's kudos to the show. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you. So I'm just going to cut that clip and I'm going to put it everywhere. You guys are doing a great job. <laughs> Not even pulling that stuff out of context. That's pretty cool. He now was drunk when he said break it. With uh, kind words from our friends at comic book Informer. <laughs>
So tonight we're actually just going to relax and do grab bag round table kind of thing, which is typically the easiest to do because not everybody's reading the same stuff. So it's, it's a lot better just to kind of shoot the breeze about what we're reading and what actually matters to us. I did like that. You agreed with me about daredevil, which is saying a yeah. lot considering you kind of are the poster child for all things daredevil. So uh. for you to agree that this new run is actually not all that good is kind of nice. I mean, it suffers from, it, off the bat, it suffers from new team, uh, so they've got to do something different, right? But it's also coming off of an epic run. Uh, uh, Somni Wade just, uh, by the end of their run in San Francisco, it, it, they just redefined who Matt was, how the whole Daredevil persona fits in with it, from the stupid, but there's an actual good reason for his suit, down to how he interacts with the kingpin, like it was just perfect. And then you get someone who should be getting it. But I mean, seriously, like they explained just a little bit about 10 fingers in the most recent uh, issue. And I'm still like, uh, really? Re- it's just, I'm just not. Villain kind ever. Of told us to everything we need to know about him yeah. in the first panel we saw him. <laughs> yeah. I got 10 fingers and this dude's got no fingers. Okay. that All right. All right. I don't know. Like, there's a there's a whole bunch of Kanye West ass play jokes that can go on with ten fingers that I'm not gonna do because uh, I'm not that big into either of them. So it's weird. Any villain whose superpower involves just you know a, a sharp knife and a stapler, as I'm not really that afraid of him. <laughs> you know, so. I, I mean, yeah, it just it just has not grabbed me, and I'm gonna give it much longer, but. I I stopped at one. Yeah. I I didn't even read past that. There was literally no reason to. Right, but it's one of those things. How long did you keep reading crappy Wolverine comics because you were invested in the character and wanted to give it a chance? I, mean, I, I will it would, say it would this basically though, be the same of Marty picking up a new issue of you know something good like Batman. Yeah, but, and reading one <laughs> issue and going, no, it's not for me. I mean, he just doesn't have the history and the love for the character and the, the creative team that. Yeah. Yes and no, because I will say that part of what kept me going with the Death of Wolverine stuff was just that it was that bad. (laughs) And it was supposed to be spectacularly good. It had every opportunity to be. And yet it was so bad. Like as much as I disliked that first Daredevil, it's not even remotely close to Death of Wolverine crap like not even close and that was part of why i had to keep reading it It was like can it get worse oh my god it did so you were hate reading the death of wolverine pretty much oh yeah oh yeah no no i'm not gonna deny it and like there were glimpses that i found that were spectacular but they were so few and far between and for the most part it was just it was partially because of that the, the that mentality of watching horrific horror movies or or whatever, just because they're so bad. But also it was because I was reading it just because I wanted to know the canon moving forward Mm -hmm. because this was supposedly going to be impactful. And it actually has been throughout Mm -hmm. because I mean, he's still, except for old man, Logan, he's not really kicking around right now. So there were a lot of things that I, I wanted to know what was going forward with that character. And so I'm glad that I read it, despite the fact that it was horrific. I am glad that I read it. But again, I I don't even put Deadpool close to that bad. 
I apologize for the dogs. There's literally like somebody's either walking them, like walking uh, their pit bulls across the street or some stuff. I don't know. I, See, I wouldn't sorry. have even had to edit that out, but now yeah, I, I now, would have to now edit that it's this in the out. episode. <laughs> oh yeah, you 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 do the whole thing, but I felt like I had to apologize. No, I you felt- didn't. No, you didn't. Okay, just for that, I'm going first. I'm going to talk okay. about Lucifer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Which I had not checked out yet. Somebody said they checked it out, and I said, "Huh, maybe I'll check it out and see what the hubbub is about." And uh, written by Holly Black. I was not expecting to like this. Two issues in, I freaking love this. Wow. I really am impressed with the writing. It's it's this kind of story where you're talking about angels, archangels, Lucifer, Gabriel, various other creatures, hell and all that. It's so easy to fall into a lazy type of writing that we've seen stereotypical that we've seen so many times in TV, movies, books, you name it. That is just kind of that sparkly vampire type writing kind of thing. And so that's what I went into it expecting. No lie. That's what I was expecting. What I found instead was really, really good writing, solid writing, a type of detective noir story kind of thing with a couple of the the unlikeliest pair and joking about their station in life as well. And I just freaking loved it. I thought again, two issues in I'm freaking loving this series. I think it's great. Hey, Marty, what do you think about, have you read this? I have read this. In (laughs) fact, uh, what I do really dig about it is that it also references the the Gaiman run uh, from Sandman, that it talks about issues involving uh, from Ennis's epic Constantine run, excuse me, Hellblazer run. Uh, I just, I'm really a big fan of this book, and I was expecting to be like, oh, they're just relaunching it because of the awful show on Fox. But it's it's really good. So we agree on that. Actually, I haven't my, even watched the show, so I have no oh, idea. Oh, I'm not watching the show. What okay. you, I, you, no, no. <laughs> the show looks awful. I, <laughs> I don't need to do that. I, I haven't seen any trailers even of it, so I have no clue if it's any oh. good or not. No, we're, we we have talked about that show like in pre-show warm-up, and like none of us are going to watch it. You might be able to get Nick to watch it, um, but we're, we're not going to watch it. What's funny is that as I'm reading this, it made me really think about Supernatural. And mm-hmm. what's funny about that show is that I had never watched it, and but my girls had. And then it was on Netflix and the wife and I decided, eh, we'll just start watching it and we'll see how it goes. I was fully, fully expecting a show that was just a, you know, monster show with a couple of hunky guys made for teenage girls, essentially, and young women. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's what I went to, into it expecting. Wasn't that basically the premise for Comic Book Informer? It, you, <laughs> you wish. <laughs> and, I mean, we're on season 10 or 11 now, I think. And the show was just fantastic. We love it. We watched it every week. And, we, I mean, we binged through a, a bunch of seasons. And it's just because 
the writing is so bloody good and the guys don't take themselves seriously most of the time and Mm -hmm. the stories are fun. And so when I was reading this, it really gave off that vibe. And I don't say that in a negative way. I say that in a very positive way. And I really dug that. I liked it a lot. I'm going to have to check it out now. Yeah. There's uh, a couple of issues. The art is amazing. Mm-hmm. The art's really art good. The art is really good, especially the colors. Colors are just beautiful on this. And uh, colors by... Colorist Antonio Fabella and art by Lee Garbett. Anyways... Great stuff. Highly mm-hmm. recommended. It's Marty. really nice to see something coming out of Vertigo again that is worth buying. Um, that being said, I, I need to pick up American Vampire by Scott Snyder. But for you know the longest time, like Vertigo was dead. I mean, I remember in the early 2000s, like the majority of the books I was picking up were all Vertigo titles. And I didn't pick up Lucifer back then. But uh, nowadays, I mean, it. It's really a nice resurgence for the Vertigo line. That's really cool. They they had a big editorial shakeup a year or two ago, and there's been some stuff coming out from them recently. I've tried a lot of it. None of it's really quite hit for me, but they're they're certainly trying out there right now. Did did they pull Swamp Thing out? They put Swamp Thing in the New 52, didn't they? Yeah, with with the whole New 52, they ripped some of the stuff out of Vertigo and put it into the core DC universe. So stupid. Same thing with Hellblazer. Oh, thing is I can't talk about that book. It okay. Is, it is – I don't I don't have my whiskey in hand to talk about that book because that book is just – everything I hate about the New 52 can be summarized with that book, both versions. Just – See, yeah. we actually kind of like we, – we did an episode of – God, a year ago or so of the the first Constantine volume from uh, – from the new 52 version and it wasn't perfect, but there were some aspects that both of my Raj and I did quite enjoy. Like I, the, yeah. the, the new, the new Hellblazer run, not quite working for me. I only read the first issue and I couldn't get into it. Mm-hmm. I gave it three and then I'm like, I'm done. But the, I gave, I gave both, uh, both volumes, three books and couldn't, couldn't handle it. Like constantly like Hellblazer was one of the, my go-to books even when I was totally broke, I would be buying like a Hellblazer trade or something. Was it? It was one of the oh. one of the crossover events. Um, and I think it was something tying into with the Earth Two comic. Yeah, it was. Uh, Constantine was crossing over with the Earth Two comic. That was actually really good. I really enjoyed mm. that that particular story because it involved him going to Earth Two, where all the people who have died under his watch are still alive, including another version of John. It was some cool stuff. That's worth that's worth looking into. Hell, I would totally look into that. That's the thing too, though. You have to wait until the series has been around for a while, and then in cases like this kind of thing, where maybe the majority of the series is in fact crap, story arcs come out that mm-hmm. are fun to to read, and you can just kind of cherry pick those out, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, Marty, what have you got for us? So the first book I have. Uh, you know, if you listen to ACC, we talk a lot with Marvel books and I tried for my list here. Uh, I only have one Marvel book and I'm not going to bring it up unless nobody else does. <laughs> unless I bring uh, it up first. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I was just looking at his list to see if there's anything I had on my list. Highly likely. <laughs> yeah. So the first book I want to talk about is Faith Number 1 from Valiant. Um, I think Entertainment Weekly a couple months ago had a piece on like, you want to get into comics, but you don't want to deal with the history of the big two try Valiant. And that was basically Mm -hmm. their whole pitch. Um, So faith is for those who don't know, uh, 
she is a plus sized, or as my wife likes to say, because she identifies this way as, as a fat superhero who is a, she's got telekinetic powers. She can create shields. She's kind of like everything that the invisible woman can do except turn invisible. So she's got force fields and can fly and is pretty cool that way. And she's a fanfic writer. And now she is a listicle author slash journalist <laughs> and she's funny and she's kind and she was part of a superhero team, which I don't know a lot about the Valiant universe. I only pick up two of their titles right now. But it was just a really – it was definitely uh, an issue one kind of setup book, tying in some stuff so that you can play catch up and doing a lot of things with uh, social media through the book. Like, you know, how they were te- – kids were uh, posting stuff on Twitter on an Instagram and referencing their those social networks and stuff. It was good. It could have been a lot better, yeah. but it was definitely a book that uh, is pushing boundaries within like how we view the heroes that we read. Um, Faith is kind of like a uh, – she's got the same kind of mindset that Kamala Khan does and Miss Marvel, uh, but it's in a different universe and she's still this optimistic, upbeat superhero that flies that's actually a good yeah a a really good comparison i hadn't thought of Mm -hmm. it that way but it's a good comparison because you can look at both of these heroes and i read part of this i actually stopped it's actually fairly long i stopped just Mm -hmm. past the halfway mark and the reason i stopped is because it was written for a younger audience i felt so whereas with kamala when Mm -hmm. she's being a teenage girl and it's like, oh, that boy's cute and oh, this and and these kind of attitudes. It's something that you can go, well, she she is a teenager. So, yeah, it makes sense. Whereas this woman, who's a grown ass woman, is yeah, she, talking she's about not, she's not 15. <laughs> yeah, she's not 15. And she's talking mm-hmm. about how, oh, this boy is uh, this man I'm working with. And he's kind of cute. And this and that and I'm going, oh, come on, seriously. So like. I had no problems with a her size. Obviously, I'm in mm. fact I liked that at least for the the half that I read, it wasn't even brought up. There's little hints of how people treat her, but no, she's just mm-hmm. she's not a wafer thin. So so what? That's a large portion of the populace. So I like that. I the 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 idea of again these powered people, I thought was kind of weak in terms of. Just let's just come up with some ridiculous reason why they're powered and, and roll with it without explanation. Granted, I didn't read the prior stuff, so I'll full disclosure there. But still, it was kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. We'll just roll with it. They're super powered people, same as Marvel and DC, whatever kind of thing. And But it got to the point that whenever she's having her little monologues, if you replace it in your brain with a 15 or 16-year-old, fits perfect. Grown ass adult woman, yeah. you're going, eh, no. And it's well, it just worth in for me. As someone who has read her previous appearances, it actually is perfectly in fitting with the character. Right. Because and anybody who listens here, I've been touting Valiant for a couple of years now because I think they're doing some great work over there. And Faith was by far the standout character of the Harbinger series, which had some good stuff, had some iffy stuff, but it was an enjoyable read, especially since I picked up in a humble bundle. I mean, it cost me five bucks for three trades worth of it. So I was, I was okay with that. And because the thing with her was she was very shut in. Like her parents died at a very young age, but her parents were gigantic nerds. So 
when she was living with her grandmother, she grew up on her parents' VHS and comic book collection. So now her as an adult woman, like this is really kind of her first foray into the outer world, if you will, you know, being a social person. So it makes sense for her to be somewhat immature in that, in that matter. But she is such a great character. I said she was the breakout star of Harbinger. She she appeared in Unity for a couple issues, which is Valiant's version of the Avengers. And it was brilliant because like you said, she's this bubbly, really positive character and you throw her into this hardcore team of freaking killers and, you know, they needed someone who could fly. So they brought her in and just seeing her reaction to the mission she was part of. And like, this was her dream. You know, she was on a superhero team and after her first mission, she had to walk away there. It's a great character. I actually haven't read the first issue of the solo series yet. I really should because I like the character so much and I have more familiarity with the Valiant universe. So I, I'm really excited to get a hold of this one. See, for you, it probably mm-hmm. you would probably enjoy it more because mm-hmm. you do have that history. But taking it from somebody, well, no, Marty absolutely. just said too, like you hadn't read it. So from from those of us who don't know the character, I know that that's how I felt. How did you feel about it, Marty? Well, I thought that they were doing the whole ignorance slash innocence thing and they pushed it a little too thick, but at the same time, I'm pretty open to that. Uh, and, and to in the world that I literally live and work in, I kind of need sometimes the, right. the saccharine sweet right. kind of stuff. So that's, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I really enjoyed it and I'm planning on picking up more Valiant stuff uh, as it comes out. And I'm, I'm, you know, next time that Valiant's got a humble bundle, I'll probably pick that up too because it's. I really liked it, and I thought it was just something. A nice. It's not a palate cleanser, right? Because it's too. Because I could see it being too like to continue with food analogies. I guess it's like a little bit cloying, but I didn't have that same visceral reaction. Um, and I and maybe it's just because I work with kids that I did, didn't bother me that much. So, but see, with kids, it w- it wouldn't bother me. In, but she she's been, a grown woman. Yeah, had she been even in her late teens, I'd be willing to go. Okay, yeah, right. But I mean, she appears to be someone who's in her at least mid twenties. I would say. Mm-hmm. Early I'd to say mid-20s. late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, late teens, really? I, that's I think she, she I might get. be. She might be as young as nineteen. If I, I, it's been a while since I've read a comic with her. So uh, I you really you, can't yeah. tell that from the art. Yeah, and then it's she, not, no, yeah. she's anywhere. definitely not a kid, though. Like, if she's a teenager, she's an adult teenager. Yeah. So, and that was the only thing that bothered me. Everything else, I was kind of willing to go with it. I didn't think the writing for this issue was was really spectacular because you you got scenes like with the the upstairs neighbor doing improv rehearsals, and you're going like, did that really need to be on the page? That is there any point to that at all? in terms of the story, unless this becomes a reoccurring character, in which case mm-hmm. maybe, but even then he didn't deserve that much attention. So there were different things. And then the constant um, bit with the secret identity as well, and bringing that up as, as often as she did. And then the big puppy thing, you're going puppies. That's what you went with puppies. Seriously. <laughs> so there were too many points like that where, I resigned myself to just the idea of, okay, it's not bad, but it's definitely for another type of reader that's not me. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like they just went all in on this whole like, look at Faith, she's super innocent, all in like, and they're she's just gonna save all their puppies. chips on the table. 
<laughs> so she's going to save the puppies. Now, like, yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler, there's, there's puppies. There's puppies, and they will be safe, so don't worry. Yeah. But just to continue the the analogy, there was an issue of Ms. Marvel a few months ago where she rescued some kittens. Yes. But again, she's a teenager. <laughs> For me, but, it fits. It, it fits without any problems whatsoever. Mm-hmm. She's a teenage kid. So it, it's except, like, yeah. Except in that particular issue, that's the moment when oh yeah, that was a great Kamala scene. realizes that like she can't save everyone, and so she's some of these kittens. These kittens aren't going to make it as the world ends, and it was heartbreaking. Meanwhile, Faith will save all the puppies. Yes, you know it's so save all the puppies. Yeah. Done. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see. A, I mean, honestly, I'd love to see a crossover between the two characters. I think that would be fun. So some fan fiction author should get on that. <laughs> Faith should get on. That. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vince, what do you got? All right, then. Uh, in honor of our guest, I think I'll start with a Rick Remender comic. <laughs> <sighs> uh, Tokyo Ghost. I just read the fifth issue. I talked about the first issue a few months ago when it came out and that yeah, there, there was some stuff in there that might have pushed boundaries a little too far and would have made, especially you, Roger, like kind of throw up your hands at it. But the concept I felt was really cool, so I was going to stick with it. And, man, I am loving this comic. To set the stage, uh, it's a far future where it basically imagine the R-rated version of WALL-E, <laughs> where the entire human race is just, you know, oversaturated with media and gluttony and what have you. The earth has fallen to crap. And it, it really plays on that that theme. But what it does with it is what it makes it special. The main character, Debbie, is one of the few tech-free people in the world. You know, she's organic, if you will. And her boyfriend, Led, is a uh, like a top-tier cop, if you will. And he's roided out, full of drugs, painkillers, constantly plugged into the internet, watching multiple TV shows at once through his helmet. He's just – he's not there. He You know, he's a body if you will. And she's sticking with him because she wants the person she loved to come back. So where this plays out is they're sent on a special mission to Tokyo, which is a technology-free zone. There's an EMP. So Led has to purge his system of all the drugs, all the toxins. There's no Wi-Fi out there. So you have this love story playing out of the flashbacks of why they became this way. And it deals with a lot of really strong subjects of addiction. And, you know, why does Debbie still love this guy that obviously doesn't care about her? And, you know, his side of things, you know, how did Teddy become led? And it's seeing them finally come back together, knowing full well that something's going to go wrong. There's not going to be a happy ending in this comic. And issue four was kind of that breaking point where Teddy becomes led again. And we have this fantastic character parts with Debbie of finally realizing that she can't do this anymore. She can't be with this person anymore and having to make decisions for herself. There's just so many strong themes here in this crazy sci-fi universe with my God, gorgeous, gorgeous artwork. I, I just really love this comic and everything that it's doing with its setting to tell an important story. Cool. So does Sean Murphy do the same like little gags that he's done in some of his other work? This this like, is tears beyond anything he's done previously. Oh, really? Yes, it's gorgeous. And I was also it was also presented to me as like 
uh, white people in Japan with no Japanese people. That's, well, there's 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 Japanese people. There's definitely some Japanese uh, influence. And now with Murphy's artwork, they don't always appear Japanese. Uh, I will say that. And yes, there. But it's also become kind of like a kind of like what America is now. It's where a lot of refugees have gone and developed their own culture in Japan. And so the Japanese culture is just kind of the framework for what this future society has become now of people from all nationalities that have assembled there. Okay. Mm. Actually, instead of a, a comic book, one of the things that I watched last week was the new Batman animated show, Bad I Blood. S- I saw that, but I haven't I haven't actually watched, watched it. Like, I saw it. it in the store and I went, ooh, what's this? Uh, yeah, well, I had to watch it immediately. And I watched it with, uh, with my son because Karen's out of town, so it's like we're watching movies periodically now that we wouldn't otherwise. And this was interesting because it's a Batman movie with very little Batman. I mean, Batman is barely in it a little at the beginning towards the end. That's it. It is very much a story about Nightwing, about Robin. So we got Damien. (laughs) I'm going to assume you're talking about Damien. (laughs) Yeah, Damien and, uh, and Batwoman for the most part. And so, it's really cool because I like that they brought Batwoman, not Batgirl, mm-hmm. but Batwoman. Batgirl is at the very end. It was funny because we watched the whole thing and it was good. Not spectacular, but it was actually quite good. And then at the end, you see Bat Batgirl. And I, I literally went, Babs! <laughs> and Tristan looked at me. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's a really good story with, you know, Batman is out of the, the 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 show for most of it presumably dead but then you find out later obviously not kind of thing and so you have Dick Grayson and Batwoman and Damien shows up working together to try to uncover where he is and what's going on and of course you got Talia Al Ghul who is behind it the 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 animation on par with all of their stuff they've been putting out so and I love that style spectacular looking they they kind of rewrote some of the canon for some of the characters, especially like Batwing is in this, but Batwing in here is Lucius Fox's son. And so you have this different story there. I believe that's also the current comics Batwing as well, but that wasn't what it was initially. Was it? I didn't think so. He's he's Batwing now. Yeah. Okay. See, I haven't been reading now, so I wouldn't know. I know that when it first started out, wasn't it some guy in Africa initially? Yeah. Yeah, That's what I thought. Cause I'd read a few of the first few issues. It just turned out the writing was horrible, but, uh, but yeah, so they kind of did that. I really dug it. The voice acting was amazing. I mean, the guy who plays, um, Nightwing is the guy who played Simon Tam in Firefly, Sean Mayer. So and of then course you're all in on Marina Bakerin, who played Inara, is Talia. So it was like a Firefly reunion. So I was like, I'm in. <laughs> you got my money. Here you go. <laughs> who was the voice of Batman, though? Uh, Jason O'Mara. But again, barely in it. Um, okay. But we have like Steve Bloom, John DiMaggio, big names in voice acting throughout. So the voice acting was great beginning to end voice acting was on par and really quite good so yeah it was a good show it was again when you're for me personally it's because of that goddamn damien that (laughs) anything that's everything he does and it's like oh again and so as i'm watching this every scene he's in it's like god i want to slap that kid I mean, don't call social services on me, but I want to slap that can. I probably won't get my hands on a little. Mother- I'm going to try. <laughs> and uh, 
but still, the show was really good. As Damien kind of settles down, the obvious relationship between him and Dick Grayson is in there as well, which was which really... is the only Damien I've ever liked. Yeah, so that's fun to watch. Man. Yeah, so it was fun to kind of watch that. It was it was really good. I enjoyed it. Not the best that they've done in their recent movies, but it still was quite good. I enjoyed it. Okay, Marty, what do you got? So the next book I want to talk about is Karen Gillan's sci-fi cop comic, uh, Mercury Heat, with Omer, no, Omer, Omar Fra, uh, Francesca, or Francia, Francia, excuse me. Uh, and it's, you know, distant future, humanity is colonizing others' planets, and they're dealing with the energy crisis. And uh, our hero, Louisa, is a psychopath, or shows psychopathic tendencies. And everybody is rated on some sort of like souped up personality checklist to see what type of jobs you fit in. But because uh, she's going to, she leaves to Mercury, she can get the job there because they just don't have jobs for everybody's right personality type. And it follows her as she uncovers uh, conspiracies and busts heads. And, you know, I'm not super big on the way they draw her. Sometimes it's uh, Omar is, uh, you know, draws her like a normal person sometimes uh, it's a, a little bit too much fan service but it's they you because I, I read the first couple issues they use the fact that it's really hot on mercury to mm-hmm. not need to draw that much her outfit <laughs> oh, God. yeah which is unusual for uh i think a karen gillen led mm-hmm. comic um but i i enjoyed the comic it's you know not absolutely amazing and i'll have to keep reading it no matter what but it definitely does some interesting stuff with with science fiction which i don't get to read a lot of science fiction comics um most of marvel and dc's offerings don't really hit me in the 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 sci-fi but this is a a pretty good medium to hard sci-fi book about uh memory crystals and uh the last uh the last uh arc was about basically colonization and uh colonialism not just in terms of stealing all the energy from Mars or, you know, farming the energy off of Mars, but uh, they say Mars, excuse me, Mercury, Ugh. Uh, farming Mercury for energy. But it also has to do with like humanity's impact within the solar system and how uh, race and class play into that. So it's a really good treatise. It's got its flaws, but I still really enjoy it. Yeah, the art was pretty off-putting for me, so I stopped reading after two, maybe three issues. But mm-hmm. the sci-fi stuff, the social aspects, I really enjoyed. Like the one scene that like really clicked a lot of like, oh, that was a really clever use buttons was uh, when she met with her ex. Yes, and neither one of them had memories of each other, but it was like a blatantly obvious hole in their data, you know, their mental data banks that it was obvious that they'd had some bad blood in the past. Like it was a really creative. Like I kind of was wishing to see that through, but I just couldn't continue reading the comic. Oh, that, that, that beat of, uh, the, you know, deleting memories and also like tagging your memories Mm -hmm. with, with commentary. So you're getting meta on your memory. I think that's just a really cool idea. And you know how they store it on quote unquote crystal, which I don't know what it is, but it's, it, it beats the comic uh, book. Yeah. It beats the Johnny Mnemonic like we shoved, you know, we withdrew part of your brain and installed, what, an 80 gig hard drive in your head? So it's kind of cool. You'll need to upgrade in a few years. <laughs> Get an SSD. <laughs> yeah. uh, Roger, you sound like a robot to me right now. Do I? Uh, you just did. 
Now you sound like normal, okay. like before. And Skype's having one of its moments. All right. Uh, oh, uh, Skype. Not on my end. So take we'll be you fine. To, yeah, as, lo- as uh, long as it's okay on Roger's end, that's all that matters. Okay, more good. crap to edit out, thanks to Marty. <laughs> I'm Martying up this joy. <laughs> Boom. Hold on. <laughs> And rocking it. Oh, that's- God. <laughs> there we go. That is so, that is so petty and passive aggressive. <laughs> that was not passive uh, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> okay, well, it's not really. I mean, how aggressive is rocking in your chair, really? For me, um, very. That's, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Vince, what do you got next? We're skipping Marty the next go round. <laughs> The last issue of Doctor Strange. Oh, I haven't read it. Haven't I either? But you you have been reading it, Marty? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, God. How has it taken so long to get a Doctor Strange comic this right? Like, there's been some good minis, but, like, for decades, like, Doctor Strange has kind of had that same problem that Reed Richards has had is he always he's always going to have a solution to the problem. There's never any mm-hmm. real drama of eventually, you know, he's going to find the right book with the spell to save the day. So what Jason Aaron has done here to make him so much more interesting is showing the price he is paying for that magic. And since neither one of you have read it, I don't want to say too much, but we now see other people who are carrying those burdens for him. And it makes not just strange, but his supporting cast so much better so much more developed so so much more interesting that again how has it taken so long for someone to go huh you know maybe magic isn't all that good like it's it seems like it would have been a really simple thing to make dr strange way more interesting well it's not just that but they've made him more fallible as well yeah Mm -hmm. like we've always gotten the attitude Mm-hmm. But not nearly enough seeing him screw up. I mean, you bring up Reed Richards. One of the best things about Richards has been when he is screwing up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's when you're getting spectacular stories. Right. And, not and just from him, but everybody else. Was strange, like especially in the lead up to Secret Wars. Yes. <laughs> when he's destroying entire planets and summoning demonic entities from other dimensions. Like they were really on a good track with him and. Aaron has really pulled that aspect and going, okay, what's the downside to all this magic and has brought that to the forefront of the story. And I combined with Bacalo, which Bacalo is about due for a break. <laughs> so I'm no, a little worried don't even what, say what that. issue six or seven is going to look like. Because <laughs> but man, this, this last issue was phenomenal. Cool. Okay. I look forward to reading it. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about does do we find out like with the the Wong cliffhanger what that was all about? Oh, this, you find out a lot five? about Wong in this issue. Oh my god. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I know what I'm doing after this. Yeah, I'll be reading that tonight as well. Actually. Okay. We talked about this a, a while back now when Superman powered up. He leveled up. <laughs> he got his solar flare. Because he wasn't powerful enough to begin with, and now he's got another goddamn power. Now, Only after they made him a little weaker for a while. For a little while. But now he can detect all single waves, everything, everywhere. 
I don't know if that means that he's like seeing everybody's dick pics that they're, they're texting or what he's referring to, <laughs> but it's like I can feel transmissions, energy waves from all around the world. Oh, Matt, you know he's flying a Lois single husband. He is the ultimate stalker son of a bitch. Like, I mean, what? Yeah, that's creepy. It's A, it's creepy as hell, but B, and more important, I shouldn't say more importantly, because that creepy is pretty creepy. But, <laughs> but the fact is, again, I would have thought, now I didn't keep up with all of the news and press when the solar flare power came about. Our opinion was he's already powerful enough. He doesn't need yet another power. And yet they gave him one. So I don't know if people loved it and they sold a crap load of copies and that's why they're doing it again or what, but it's like, he doesn't need another one. He needs some stripped away from him. Something else. Cause this is, this was stupid. This was that, just stupid. That's actually what's made the last couple months of Superman comics more interesting was after the solar flare. Like he wasn't as powerful. Like he had expended a certain amount of energy. So you had uh, a more realistic Superman. Like he's still really strong. He's still really fast, but he wasn't Superman levels of powerful. And I, I, I enjoyed some of those. Like I just, you know, I, it's one of those things where I don't really care about the character no matter how powerful he is, but they were doing some interesting stuff with him. But I guess somebody at DC went, well, all right, we can't keep publishing jeans and T-shirt Superman. We need to make him Superman again, but do something special. Ugh. So now he can listen to everybody's cell phone calls. Well, he, can, he can download our podcasts just by thinking about them, I guess. Or if, we're, if somebody's streaming them. He could hear them. He that is, is stupid. He is, Why is streaming that porn 24-7 behind those uh, green eyes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, and you, have to imagine, so you have to imagine Tom Taylor looking at this and going, man, that would have made Injustice much easier. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is that I read that and the first thought that came into my mind wasn't, Oh, he's going to be uber powerful. There was a little bit of, ooh, that's creepy. But I saw the kid from Alphas <laughs> flicking through the empty space in front of him to tune in singles. I don't know if you guys ever watched Alphas. No. There was this developmentally challenged kid who just kind of would flip through with his hands and he'd pull channels kind of thing. Like he was zooming in and out and he'd look oh, wait, at- Oh, was that that sci-fi channel show? Yeah, yeah. I think I wa- yeah, I watched like most of the first season actually. Yeah. It was apparently very forgettable for me. So- so yeah, that's what I saw. This this Superman flick flick zoom. <laughs> I was like, "What's going on on Judge Judy right now?" And flick flick. It's like oh, it's just ridiculous. You know, Tim posted on our Facebook page uh, a couple panels of Shazam and Superman. You know, like it's it's uh, the from one of the movies, and also it's a it's a it's one of the comic panels. But it's just like you know, Superman is not interesting because he has all the powers. Superman is interesting when you have him deal with moral questions and when you have him, you know, show how difficult it is to actually be a good person. Mm -hmm. Giving him a new superpower kind of defeats the purpose of giving him, calling him Superman. It's just power, man. It's just ridiculous. I'm not a fan. And there's one panel. Power Man is copyrighted. You don't want to get. (laughs) And wrong publishing house. So there was one panel as well with him and Wonder Woman in a pose that I swear Greg Land is probably going to use in the future (laughs) because it's like, this is straight out of a porn. Come on guys, seriously. (laughs) And yeah. So, all right, Marty, what do you got next? All right. So we've gone from, uh, we, what did I do? I did faith. I did Lucifer. 
and uh, yeah, I did Lucifer. I did do Lucifer. Excuse me, that was just on my list. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Bloodshot number ten. So it's two valiant titles. Mm. It's a good jumping on point uh, for people who don't want to read all the previous nine issues. Um, you probably so blood was pretty damn good. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I totally agree. Like Jeff Lemire is is just hit knocking out of the park with every book that he's writing right now, uh, from Extraordinary to Hawkeye uh, to uh, Descender. But Bloodshot is basically give the Punisher nanites and make the Punisher more likable, and you've got Bloodshot. Um, but he takes a jump thirty years into the future and. Hmm how he's helping this, you know, post-apocalyptic world survive. Uh, it's, it's a, it was a, a great place to start off with a new arc. It was a pretty cool premise and they're going to do stuff that, you know what? They're not, the, he's not working for the big two in this book, so he can do whatever he wants and just tell a story about technology versus technology or society and how it stratifies or I don't know, the upcoming water crisis because that's factoring pretty clearly there it's also very heavily influenced clearly by uh mad max fury road but it's drawn gorgeously the book is just the book was well written it's pithy without being um petty it's fun a lot of fun yeah when i was reading some of the older valiant stuff and by older i still mean the modern run not the 90s stuff <laughs> uh, yeah bloodshot wasn't working for me because it was basically what if wolverine and punisher were the same guy yeah so like, it was it, it, i they were trying to do some stuff with his memory and all that i was like but you know i've read wolverine comics before so i don't really care but right. it wasn't until uh he was in the book of death crossover where you know he was uh the one charged with protecting the geomancer and it, it really made roy Roy? Ray? I forget. I always forget which one it is. I think it's Ray. Ray Thomas. Yeah, Ray. Uh, it really made Ray come through more than the Bloodshot character. And at the end of that is, of course, when he lost the Bloodshot powers. So this is kind of a parallel to what we were just talking about with Superman, where he's not Bloodshot anymore. And it was this really cool story with Bloodshot Reborn of, you know, this guy basically living with PTSD mm-hmm. and going to incredible extremes because, I mean... He's not exactly a shell-shocked soldier. This dude's been through some stuff. And everything with him getting the bloodshot powers back and the sense of duty that he that he feels towards them. It, man, I haven't read issue 10 yet, but issue 9, the whole stuff with the little boy was just oh, the, great, oh God, yeah. great writing. It was just every episode, every episode, every issue, whatever you want to call it, got better and better. And they pushed boundaries but never went over the line for what you wanted them to do. And it was just a really good take on a character that's, you know, coming from the, the worst of the nineties, but made it, you know, a good story. So it was just a testament to that creative team to make that work. It was really good. Okay. Vince. Uh, let's go with invincible Iron Man. I gave up a few issues back. Really? Yeah. I'm still on. I'm, I'm still reading it. Not only that, this was my favorite issue yet. Because we have more of that fantastic banter with Tony and Doom, which <laughs> Doom's just randomly showing up in this comic is becoming one of my favorite things in modern Marvel. Just random Doom out of nowhere, giving Tony crap at every possibility. Like, but what I really liked about this issue specifically is Rhodey is now becoming a really big piece of this story, too. And we've seen multiple, multiple false start attempts at giving War Machine his own comic. Mm-hmm. So... 
you know what? At least give us some big war machine stories inside the Iron Man comic. And I'd be down with that. Like him, you know, being like this, doing the stuff that Tony can't exactly do both, you know, from a PR standpoint and just, you know, there's certain stuff Tony's not very good at that, mm-hmm. that Rhodey is. So I, if they can continue telling a war machine focused story with kind of the side story being Tony for a little while, uh, I'm really happy for that. See, War Machine has always been a character that I feel is a spectacular secondary character, but not strong enough to be right. But to he can, but he can lead a issue. story for a few issues. Exactly. Yeah, but that's that's about it. Mm. Yeah, every War Machine miniseries has been pretty good for a couple issues, <laughs> and then you they just kind of run out of stuff to do with them. All right, moving on because you mentioned Injustice. Are you caught up with it? Oh yes, I am, dude. It. it <laughs> continues to be freaking awesome i love the entire stuff going on with catwoman especially with her eventually kind of going okay that's it i'm done kind of thing which uh, i'm surprised she lasted as long as she did kind of thing harley coming back freaking phenomenal because again (laughs) seeing her with the others is part of what makes this series phenomenal i need more harley babs team ups yes Or with Catwoman. Harley and Catwoman are great together, and I love it. And once again, and we've seen this before, hell, it was talked about way early on in the in this series with Bruce trying to train uh, Clark to, to actually fight mm-hmm. and saying, like, don't just rely on your strength. And here, when he's taking a pill so that he has that strength for a while, he is beating the Get out of Clark, <laughs> just beating the crap out of him. So yeah, it was it was really enjoyable. Like I I was actually a few issues back, so I read like four issues in one shot, and everything that was going on was I I got to give credit to Bucalato. Like I mean, he's doing a great job. It it's hard to follow Taylor, and he's doing it really bloody well. Mm-hmm. Granted, Hawkman coming in. Mm. Yeah, when I saw Hawkman on the cover, I'm like, why? Why do we need Hawkman? But look at what he's done with other characters that we really didn't I, care I'm, all I'm that much I'm going to give him a shot. So, it's just one of those signal no, flags. We don't. We don't need to give Hawkman a shot. Like, like no, I'm, I'm going to continue uh, giving the comic a chance. If it yeah. if it just so <laughs> happens to have Hawkman in it, that's out of my hands. Yeah, that's fair. I love that. Man breaks Bane's back with the Batmobile. <laughs> that was a nice little tie-in to actual canon kind of thing. He gets his revenge, but using the Batmobile. I thought that was freaking awesome. Why not? Okay, last one, Marty. What do you got? So my last comic, I want to talk about Velvet again. No, this you're supposed group- to talk about Spidey. You can talk about Spidey. I'm well, not gonna, I you did know. my last. All right, fine. I'm going to talk about Spidey. It's your show. It's it's a great book and I love it. And it, uh, anyway, but let's talk about Velvet because um, I think I'm I'm was trying to figure out if this is what I talked about the last time I was on the show, and I know I've talked about it in our show. It is uh, Epting, Brubaker, and Brett Weiser's uh, 1970s Cold War. What if James Bond was actually Many Penny story? And so it's got this really complex p- political thriller stuff going on, and. It's crazy. It is like the greatest Bond movie or that it's the Bond movie that I really want to see that I'm never going to see. Um, I love everything about it. The art, of course, is gorgeous. They take all of the 70s vibe and and spy thriller stuff and just throw it all at once. And 
I have no idea what's going on with the story. Like, and I've read every single issue multiple times and they're going somewhere and I'm positive there are clues laden throughout, but I don't know. And I need to know. I'm not going to stop until I finish or until they finish with this arc. It's right now they're on the man who can, was it the man who sold the world? And uh, Velvet is trying to figure out what's going on. And she's close to getting it, but she keeps missing. And she's being taunted by the agencies she used to work for. And, oh, it's just so good. It's just like Brubaker, Epting, and Brett Weiser at their best. It's just phenomenal. Vince, are you See, reading this still? I, I read the first couple issues. For me, Brubaker specifically, like his... Well, he doesn't do anything for Marvel anymore, but mm-hmm. Brubaker, I, I like reading Brubaker in chunks. Mm-hmm. So like I like picking up the trades and just devouring a whole story. I think picking this book up in a trade would be uh, would be a significant reduction in my anxiety overall. It's just it's <laughs> it builds the tension up and up and up. Um, and yeah, this would be a good one to follow through. Uh, I, I really do enjoy it. All right, Vince, last one trying to decide which one to pick still spider-man no it was awesome i know but it wasn't on my list so <laughs> I, I figured i would be nice and you know give our guest some i was to nice talk about too something. yeah yeah how, how how rude if i'm not to take us up on that all right let's go let's go star wars the Ooh. second issue of obi-wan and anakin you, oh. did you read the first one yet i read the first one i didn't read the second one. Oh my god that's Dis- oh my goodness the stuff they're doing here with this weird ass planet that they haven't even bothered to try and explain, but it's one of those things where you don't have to. It's just this crazy civil war between one side that calls themselves the open and the other side that calls themselves the closed. And just the the hatred based on, from what near we can tell, nothing. Just, you know, red versus blue, if you will. But then <laughs> using that as, you know, the the parallel to the Jedi versus the Sith, there's going to be some really cool developments coming out of that. I, I'm calling it now once they get to the end. Nobody knows why they're fighting. <laughs> it's just going to be yeah. the way it goes. you got Sky Pirates versus Jedis. It's ridiculous. Still doing really, really good character development with young Anakin and Palpatine, though. Uh, like I said, the first issue did more for Anakin's character than all three prequel movies did. Mm-hmm. And that just continues to build here. But especially with this issue, the artwork, we've seen good stuff out of Marco Cicchetto before. Like he did the, uh, the Shattered Destiny or whatever, whatever the, the movie yeah. prequel yeah. miniseries is called. And that wasn't his best work. You could tell it was just, you know, he had to meet his deadlines and he had to match the certain aesthetic. But I mean, we've seen great stuff from him in the past. Like his Punisher run with Ruka was gorgeous. And this is... Much like uh, Tokyo Ghost is the best I've ever seen out of Sean Murphy, this comic is probably the best I've seen out of Chichetto because it is mind-blowing, some of these scenes. So did you pick up the variant, though, the one that's, like, got the Clone Wars, no. you know, cover? That's the worst cover I've ever seen of any comic book in my <laughs> entire life. Like, this up. oh, it's bad. It's really bad. I, You know what? Maybe I'll buy it for you guys and I'll send it up. <laughs> As a gift. Roger, Roger loves variant covers. I, 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 I'm addicted. It's, it's, it's awful. Um, I like that Spidey one that you have with the two which one, the, the one that you're giving away. Oh, it's the like, secret wars one. I came like this close to actually entering just under a different name. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so you want to know a spoiler? What? 
Uh, I actually have uh, two copies, oh. soon to be three, of the sold out Nas cover. Uh, the Miles, you know, like in the mm-hmm. style of Nas's album. Variant. Oh, yeah. that That's going to get a giveaway, too. I'm so excited to get this away. We have to figure out like how we're going to get like, what do you got to do to get this one? I don't know. Maybe make videos for us. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. I know. No one's going to like, you'll just send this. Just send me a note. Just, just send me the cover. Did either of you actually, well, I know you did obviously Marty. Vince, did you read the uh, Spider-Man, the new one? Yes, I did. Okay. It's what did Miles, you think of it? Of course it was awesome. It was, it was, mm-hmm. uh, there was a little too much kind of, teenage stupidity well i shouldn't say stupidity the life of a teenager that we haven't seen for him in a while now kind of thing mm-hmm. and i was all right with not seeing as much of that uh luckily there was a lot with him and Genki kind of stuff but i really really was digging the story and just him going up against this blackheart dude oh my god son the of redesign of blackheart i sarah pichelli and god bless the editors for letting her redesign you know what was before just pretty generic holy crap he looks awesome yeah. oh he's terrifying looking oh when miles so picks good. up that shield <laughs> i was like yeah that was awesome <laughs> that was freaking awesome the art was great and then when you're seeing peter spidey at the end and it was like what did you do and i'm going i heard oh. vince talking there <laughs> oh. <laughs> But yeah, it was freaking awesome. I loved it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Miles in in Marvel Prime or 616. I just, uh, it's exactly what I think comics need right now. And I'm so excited to just let everybody experience the glory that is Miles Morales. I want him taking the cap shield with him. (laughs) (laughs) If people weren't reading Miles in the Ultimate Universe, they're not going to suddenly go, oh, who's this new Spider-Man I've never heard of before? Let me try him out. I think with all of the different spider stuff going on right now that this kind of fits. I'm willing to let go of the fact that it's a star, uh, a secret wars tie in that that's the reason why he's there. I kind of am tricking myself into believing, no, no, he's actually so there. We, because we of learned the an important lesson in secret wars. Always give the molecule man a cheeseburger. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Be nice to him. But yeah, I no. So all secret wars was, was to give uh, the Fantastic Four uh, a good send-off until they find a writer who can actually do it um, and to bring Miles into 616. That was it. And that's fine because it's awesome. No, it's <laughs> not fine. It, you've, yeah. it is not you fine. Up, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> with that, we're we are actually going to wrap up this episode. No, because now i got to deal with this next week. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually not going to bother with the new releases. They are on the site, though, so you can go check out the show notes. There's at a lot of them. Shut up. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. You're, you're making me Marty this on purpose. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Marty, thank you for dropping by. We do appreciate you, you popping you by. Thank you for having me. We're very welcome. So now we, we've had Hannah. We've had you a couple of times. Need to get Nick and Tim on the show as well sometime. So that'll be fun. Oh, they'll love to be here. Free them from your clutches. No. I, I'll let them out on furlough. <laughs> all right. So where can they find you? They can find us on Twitter at All Comics Cast, on Facebook at All Comics Considered, and on our blog page at allcomicsconsidered.com. There you go. And they can find you at one pretentious bastard you have to on think Tumblr of it. Seriously? And Officer Gleason on Twitter. 
Yeah, because I... I'm not editing that pause out. That's fine. That's fine. That pause, that pause... On a a scale of one to Marty, that's like... That's pretty damn good. That was (laughs) pro level. Yeah, I was practicing. (laughs) I just don't remember all all where you can find me on the internet. Like, I'm all over... All right, and you can, of course, find us at comicbookandforward.com. You can find us on Twitter at CBinformer or individually myself, Zen Buddhist, and Vince is at Simodian. And you can, of course, find us on Twitter and on, uh, I said Twitter, on wow. Stitcher. It's a couple of glasses and several different kinds of painkillers, so shut the <laughs> up. You can find <laughs> us also on... Hey, are you in Stitcher yet? Stitcher, yes. <laughs> I'm editing that pause out, though. <laughs> yes, we are. Oh, and on I iTunes. I can't wait to hear the post-release version of this outro. That's going to be great. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, motherfuckers. I'm out. Mic drop. No, Mic it's drop. very expensive. No. Well, it's tied to a boom, so I, I can... There. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if I drop my mic and I break it, my wife will be like, well, you're done. You're done. I'm like, no. Okay. All right, we're done. <laughs> All right, guys. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.